Hi, my name is Brian DeLuca from Somnicab Media. Today we're speaking to David Morris. David has worked at NASA for over 30 years. He's a life coach and a mentor, and a true inspiration to thousands of people. So listen in. And if you listen to the end, maybe we'll find out if there's aliens. Maybe. My name is Brian DeLuke, and I have Nicoletta Mina with me, and we're from Insomniacat Media. And today we're talking to David Morris, um, who has worked at NASA for over 30 years and is a life coach and mentor. David and I actually met uh, a few years back when I was actually visiting um, NASA. And David, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I love the college of living there. Uh, we emigrated to Canada when I was 11. I lived in Canada for 10 years, took a bachelor's and a master's at the University of Calgary. Then I went to UC Berkeley pursuing a PhD. I took a summer job at NASA doing economics of remote sensing, helping a couple of professors. And that was in 1975 and I never left. <laughs> That's a quick <laughs> start I mean, for you. 30 years with NASA is, is pretty awesome, David. Uh, you know, so that was, was that, was that ever, you know, did you ever envision that or, you know, like you said, it was just kind of something that you, you landed in and, and you stayed because you loved it. Right. Well, actually, if you include the years as a contractor, it's 44 years. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, no, it isn't something I envisaged. I'm not particularly a fan of sci-fi. I'm not into fantasy. Uh, it wasn't a dream of mine to work in the space program but there was an opportunity to come and work on the economics of remote sensing. There were two professors that were looking at a project to use satellite relay and sensors in the field to measure temperature, pressure, and a variety of other variables, relay them back to a central point using satellite relay, and then plugging them into a model. And the idea in that case was to predict the outbreak of a, an agricultural pest called the cereal leaf beetle, and then you could do spraying to adjust to it. So I was the one working the economics of that. I'm not a scientific background kind of guy. So that's how I started. Um, that project, of course, was time limited. And so I worked with some of my friends, and between us, they taught me and I taught myself remote sensing. And that's an interesting area where you take data from satellites, Landsat at the time, aircraft, and what we call ground truth data, and you do a multi-stage sampling so that you can get a pretty darn good idea of what's on the ground without having to sample a lot of what's on the ground, being able to use high altitude data because that's more efficient and obviously a lot cheaper. So that was really where I started in remote sensing, particularly in the economics of it but then I moved more into the technical side. Um, the reality no. is, I ha no, sorry, I haven't uh, intended to come to work for NASA, but when I was thinking about it this morning, I remembered when I was first in junior school, I, I was young, I remember the teacher coming into the class one day and saying, children, today the Russians launched Sputnik. It's not gonna mean anything to you now, but years from now, you will remember this day. You know, I thought, yeah, so what? <laughs> years from now, I do remember that day. <laughs> yeah. But, but things evolved, right, David? I mean, uh, now, 
you know, uh, things like coach and mentor uh, working with NASA. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I had had a coach myself uh, quite a few years ago, and I found the experience helpful. I mean, it, it's very good. Coaches don't tell you what to do. They try to encourage you to find your own way. But I found it was very helpful to have different perspectives and to, to, to be honest with yourself. It's so easy to be judgmental and defensive. And in a coaching environment, you, you tend to get away from that and you open up and you take a hard look at who you are and how you do things. And then you, with some guidance from the coach, you make a judgment for yourself as to how you want to move forward, whether you like what you're doing or you don't and all of that sort of thing. So I had that experience myself. And then as I got more senior in my career, and I don't have a lot of personal objectives anymore because I know I'm coming mm -hmm. to the end of my career, it occurred to me that I would probably like to be a coach myself. So about 10 years ago, I started the process. I went through certification and then I have been a coach since. Uh, I could potentially do it outside of NASA but I'm happy to do it within. Uh, I know the people, I know the process, I know what they're dealing with, and I, I just feel that adds a little to the ability to work with them in a coaching sense. That's so cool. Now, now as a, where, you know, go ahead. I was just saying, I was just saying, we're, we're better to be a coach and be an inspiration, you know, uh, you know than, at, than at NASA. You know, it's it's a really amazing place to be able to do that. You know, I, I know when we even met, we were very inspired by when you were talking with us. So, now my understanding is that you you also do some motivational speaking. Is that correct, David? Yeah, I love doing that. The opportunity here does not come up that often. More of the opportunity is to do uh, being master of ceremony. So. Uh, I've done it for some of our student events. I've done it for I've done it for some external events. Um, perhaps, perhaps the most exciting, and it wasn't motivational speaking, but when John Glenn returned to space at the age of nineteen, at the age of seventy-seven in nineteen ninety-eight, I was lucky enough to be able to go down to Cape Canaveral and be part of the the public affairs crew uh, that did the the media uh, information around that event and I was on the overnight crew and the BBC said that they would like to do a drive time interview so this is drive time in England about eight o'clock they do it a bit later so that would be three o'clock in the morning in Florida and I was the one on the overnight crew and you know I was born in England so of course I'm going to help the BBC I would help anyone but <laughs> nice to do the BBC so I, I, every big station at uh, the Cape has a tower, like a three-story wooden tower, and they have their own cameraman, and you climb the tower, the shuttle is lit over your shoulder at night, so it's a pretty spectacular view of you in the foreground, the shuttle in the background, and then there's a cameraman. So I went to do this, and I asked the cameraman, you know, who will I be speaking to? And he said, I don't know, and it turned out BBC didn't have their own tower. They had rented the tower from CNN, and it was the CNN cameraman, and he was very nice, but he didn't know much about the interview. I asked, what questions are they going to ask? He didn't know. 
And of course, being, <laughs> being the perfectionist I am, I thought, oh my goodness, they're going to ask me about things like getaway specials, which are student experiments that we put on shuttles that are good for the kids doing them, but most people don't ever hear about. And I thought, they're mm -hmm. going to ask me questions about this, and I'm not going to have any answers. I'm going to look really silly. So I'm standing up there, wind blowing at me, feeling very sort of out of my depth, as it were. And I looked down at the monitor, and you know, always when you look on those monitors, you look awful. So that didn't encourage me. And then out of the blue, out of the blue, the cameraman says, we're going live worldwide in five, four, three. I swear oh, wow. I looked on the edge of the tower to see if I could jump. <laughs> but, you know, the reality was the questions they asked me were very simple about the weather and about John Glenn and about the excitement of mm. the launch. It, it, it was very... It was very benign, very friendly, very cordial. Uh, the irony was, and boy, what a learning lesson this was. Three years later, I was in Amsterdam, and somebody came up to me on the street and said, I know you. And I said, no, I don't think so. And they said, yes, I know you. And I said, no, not possible. And they said, do you work for the BBC? And I said, no. And they said, do you work for NASA? And it was like, oh, my goodness. Three years later, somebody in Amsterdam recognized it. Oh, wow. You know, and, and what that taught me <laughs> was, wow, what must it be like to be a real celebrity and give that all the time? It must, you know, <laughs> fun. Yeah. I, went, I had some NASA stickers with me. I was happy to share them. But, you know, if you've got that all the time, that, that must be challenging. Yeah. So, David, where, where do you find your inspiration, especially as you speak motivationally? I like to help people. You know, I'm getting on in age, I'm on in my career. It's, uh, when you coach, you cannot do things for people. They have to do it for themselves. And as a coach, you have to be committed to the process, not to the outcome. Because the outcome, you want a good outcome for the person, but the outcome is at the determination of the person you're coaching. But when you coach somebody and they just, we call it opening up space for them. You, you try to help them open up space to see perhaps new ways or different ways or a different perspective or how they might handle things differently. And you let them discover it with some guidance. There is, to me, I will always love talking to 10,000 people. I would never have guessed I would have loved talking to somebody one-on-one -on -one as much. But when you mm -hmm. try to work with somebody, you see their growth. And then quite often they will tell you, you changed my life. Even though you know you didn't, they changed their own life. Mm -hmm. There is something so spectacular and heartfelt and meaningful about that. And it almost makes me cry to think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's great, great stuff you're doing, David. Yeah, you know, coaching just is really, really, it, it's a challenge, but it's fun. Everybody has different needs. Uh, some people simply need somebody to talk to in an open way about issues they wouldn't talk to anybody else about. And it's amazing how often they can see them from a different perspective. You offer some, some, some guidance, some thoughts. And they just see things differently. Um, 
you know, it's an amazing thing. I, I tell you a funny story. I went to a training class, gosh, 30 years ago. And at the break, they asked, what's most important? What you think of yourself or what other people think of you? And I can't blame it on my English heritage, but, you know, I was born in England where we hang the curtains with the good side out and the lining in, and there's the keeping up with Joneses, or there used to be. And so my answer is, what other people think of you? And they asked the first person, and the person said, what you think of yourself? And the next person said, what you think of yourself? By the time it got to me, of course, I lied and said, what you think of yourself? But I didn't believe it. And then I had to think, wow. I really have to rearrange my thinking. How many things do I have backwards? And it was the first really aha, eye-opening moment for me. And subsequently, as I say, years later, I went into coaching and all, but I just learned to look at things from a different perspective. So, you know, you mentioned that people, that you know, you can only take people so far because you're just guiding them and they have to do for themselves. And I'm sure sometimes that doesn't work out, but you know, what about the success, you know, what about the success stories? You know, what, what are some of those maybe not to us, but monumental things that, you know, some of the people you've mentored have gone on to achieve? Well, you know, I don't track people after I, I work with them in coaching, but there, there was one gentleman that ran a project and he was very hardworking, but he was a little challenging to get along with. So he tended to do the work himself and mm -hmm. he was stressed. His family situation was falling apart. Everything was really bad. And so we talked about priorities and you've got to make yourself a priority as well as other things. And ultimately he changed jobs they put more people on the project. The project worked better. He was happier. So that's the sort of thing that, that can come of it. You, you can't always get an outcome that you might like to choose. But what you can right. do is get people to be aware of their situation and you, you help them come to that awareness. <laughs> Sorry, the phone Sorry. keeps ringing. I just hung it that, up. That's that's You're okay. very important. You're very popular, yeah. David. <laughs> I, I was just about to say, did NASA call on you to? <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, the red NASA phone. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just, just one of my friends is probably calling about lunch. But you know. <laughs> hey, that is important too. Like you just said, yeah. you, need that, you need that. You need those pieces of your life also. It's not just it's not just the work and the achievement. Sometimes there are those goals with family and friends, right? So. Yeah, you know, life is good. You know, there's one thing. I, I just have a positive outlook on life. I don't know why you would have a negative one. Yeah, I've been lucky. I've had great jobs. I've enjoyed myself. I feel a part of a mission. There's, there's a whole lot of great things that happen. But, you know, part of it is just having a good attitude towards life. Like, are you going to get challenges and things? I swear I'm going to tear this mm -hmm. stone out of the wall in a moment. <laughs> you of course you do. But, and, and I'm not saying you, you can't get down or things can't go wrong, but basically, you know, the real key is having a, a good outlook, having, having a belief in yourself. And it's just, I, I don't know, I, I can't really put it into words. And, and it's not like I don't get down, but I don't get down for very long, you know? It's, uh, mm -hmm. 
Um, it, yeah. it just doesn't pay off. Mm. Well, you know, and, yeah, and I, exactly, and and you know, I think it's it's true. Like you know, when you know, every life is going to deal some hard blows to everyone, right? And it's it's how you get up from them that becomes exactly. really important, you know, and and, I, and who you are after sometimes. Sure, and I'm not minimizing. I mean, some people have it really tough. I mean, they, they don't have much money. They might have a lot of expenses. Yeah. They may be sick. I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss that and saying, oh, be cheerful. You know, no, some people have it very tough. And some people have really bad things happen. One of my friend's fathers just died at a very young age. It's tough. But yeah. by and large, if you, if you keep moving back towards a positive attitude and helping other people, I, 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 don't, I can't put into words how how rewarding that is. I, I probably would not have guessed that when I was young. You know, I, I used to jokingly say, give me a spotlight, give me a podium and get out of the way and let me talk. And that <laughs> side to me, I like doing that. But I also like working one-on-one -on -one with people and that is incredibly rewarding. And the, and the biggest reward is really to yourself because you, you have the satisfaction it, you like to see people grow, change, enliven, whatever you would say. Uh, I, I don't know how to put that into words. I don't know how to explain that. It's, it's something you experience. Coaching is a wonderful thing. Well, I have one last question, actually, for you. Um, you know, I was thinking a little bit about you know, how coaches can change the trajectory of individuals. But, you know, you do this for, for, you know, for folks in a major organization, you know, what kind of impact can that have on any company? You know, if coaches were to come on board, how can they impact companies as a whole? Well, you don't impact companies as a whole. You impact at the individual level and, you know, I've said it many times, but I cannot change anybody and I wouldn't seek to change anybody. All I would try to do is, the, the words they use in coaching, open up space for them to see different possibilities. Mm -hmm. How can it help? Well, if people are more open to alternative ways of looking at things, if people mm -hmm. realize the power of their words, but also the power of other people's words, if people realize the importance of diversity and inclusion and listening to everybody, people understand, yes, you do have to make a decision, but you can take inputs on it. You, you can't rattle on forever, but you, you can get inputs. Of course, we all understand sometimes there's a project and a deadline and you've got to get on with it. But the more that you can engage and involve people, you're getting a collective decision and you're getting collective buy-in. And that's incredibly powerful, productive, and potentially rewarding and profitable. Right. Absolutely. It's, you know, David, you're, you're definitely a true inspiration to us. And uh, I'm sure, you know, thousands of other people at NASA that you've, you've uh, worked with and touched over the years. So. Well, thank you. Yes. It's, uh, it, I don't spend time thinking about it, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's a good feeling. I remember when I was a contractor and I had a, an employee, a lady, who said, I don't really like my work. And so we mm -hmm. sat and talked for a while and I encouraged her to go seek other work. I wasn't getting rid of her or anything. Uh, lo and behold, she moved on. She eventually went to Washington, D.C. and she became a fairly significant of, official 
uh, high up at NASA, and it was her doing. But basically, right. all she needed was the encouragement to try something new. Sometimes you have to, I don't know why, but sometimes you have to give people permission to do something else. And it, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's like when your mother gave you permission to try things. And, and it, it's, I don't know, coaches don't do that per se, but sometimes that's what happens. And people just feel more emboldened to try something new. I got it. Yeah. Well, David, thank you. Thank you for, Nicola, did you have any other questions? No, or? no, I was just about to do the same thing as you. Yeah. <laughs> David, thank you for, for joining us today. It was always a pleasure and you're always an inspiration to talk to. Well, thank you, Brian and Nicolette. I enjoyed talking with you. You know, if there's anything uh, that you would like to come back at me for or ask, I'd be happy to do that. But, you know, basically, ah. I just encourage everybody to make the best of your life, be as cheerful as possible, try to have a solid outlook, even when there are bad times, and I know there are bad times. Uh, try to just make the most of every day because, you know, for all of us, today could be your last day. So, why wouldn't you enjoy it, live in the moment, uh, think to the future, plan for it, but uh, be happy. That's, That's a great way to wrap up. Thank you, David. It is. Thank you, David. You're very welcome. Take Bye. care.